Good to see all of you again. It's uh, one thing that I'm grateful for is to be back. Um, this was not planned, uh, but um, I got a call earlier this week and I was like, great, I will show up. Uh, so uh, grateful to be here with all of you. Um, I want to I want to start out today. We're going to be talking about this idea of the full story of the gospel. But I want to start out. I'm going to do a little quiz with all of you. Okay, so I'm going to tell you the plot of a movie, and you're going to guess what movie it is. Okay, so just real quick. These are very popular movies. Hopefully, you'll be able to get all of these. So the first one is that movie where there's a psychologist who's counseling a patient. Counseling a patient despite a growing distance in his marriage. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Good building. Sixth Sense. The Sixth Sense. Those are good guesses, though. Those are good guesses. All right, here's number two. Here's number two. Uh, a ruthless and bitter guy goes on a quest to find some gems. Avenger... Avengers Infinity War. A ruthless guy goes on a quest to find some gems. Okay, last one. This one's very easy. A son struggles to deal with the death of his father. It's Lion King. It's a Lion King. You guys are really terrible at this game. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it because you, you are all sitting there and you're thinking... I'm not sure that he's seen these movies because what he's saying is the movie is just a very narrow part of these movies. If you're watching Infinity War and you're only thinking it's about a guy going for some gems, you're missing the whole story of what the movie is about. And you're right. I can't expect you to understand what movie I'm talking about if I only give you half of the story. I have to tell you the full story of the movie for you to walk away with a good sense of understanding of what I'm talking about. And what is true of a Marvel movie is the same as the gospel of God. And what I mean by that is we cannot understand the gospel, we cannot understand God's good word for humanity if we're only looking at half of that story. We have to look at the full story of the gospel. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, come on, this is Next Step Community Church. We know the gospel. We know the full story of the gospel. We know, and, and, and listen, if I, if I grab this microphone and I pass it around and I said, tell me what the gospel is. Tell me what the good news of Jesus Christ is. I would bet that a good number of the comments that we would hear would center around sort of uh, the bad and then the good, right? The bad of, of sin and rebellion and the fall, the fall of man where sin entered the world. And then the good is, you know, Jesus on the cross and, and redemption. And all of these things sound true, right? I mean, we're, we're, we do talk about sin. We do talk about redemption. And we would find that most of us would basically say something around these two ideas, fall and redemption. La caída and Redemption, I think, right? Is that right? So, fall and redemption, okay? We would talk about this, and, and our experience in the gospel has really centered around some sort of understanding of our own sinfulness and the grace that is found through the cross and Jesus Christ. But I don't need to pull the room because 
I already know that this is a lot of people's understanding of the gospel because I grew up in the fall and redemption narrative. I grew up in the church. I led people in the church. I went to seminary to gain credentials to pastor a church. And then I went on to a 20 year career in the church and I was the one teaching fall and redemption. For 20 years, I taught passages like Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, which says this, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. You've probably heard this passage. You've probably studied this in your quiet times. You've probably read this in your Bible studies. You've heard this preached from this stage and you're seeing fallen redemption, right? You were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. And yet, God reconciled you to present you holy without blemish, free from accusation, fall and redemption. I've also preached passages like Ephesians 2, where it says this, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. Amen? amen. We say amen to these verses because we hear the fallen redemption narrative in these passages. Now, friends, I'm not saying that these are not true. I'm not saying that fallen redemption don't matter. What I'm saying is quite the opposite. What I'm saying is we have to look at fall and redemption to understand the gospel. But what I'm saying is we cannot only look at fall and redemption to understand the gospel. What I'm saying is that fall and redemption are just half of the story of the gospel. There's a full story of the gospel that I'd like to, in these next couple minutes, tell us about today. The problem with knowing only half of the story is that if we're only reading half of our Bibles, then we're missing out on all the fullness of the scriptures that God has for us. You see, the Bible doesn't begin with the fall in Genesis 3. Before Genesis 3, where the fall, right, the, the man... Adam and Eve introduced sin into the world. But before Genesis 3, there's Genesis 1 and 2, which is where we find what? Genesis 1 and 2? Creation. It starts with creation. Before the fall was creation. So when we understand this idea of creation, this is the first part of the full story of the gospel. We understand that we are created by God as part of his good creation. God spoke and light came to be and he called it good. God spoke, created the land and the water and he called it good. God spoke and the land produced vegetation and trees and fruit and God called it good. God spoke the sun, moon and stars into existence and called it good. God spoke and created the fish and the birds and all the animals that move along the ground and God saw it and called it good. But when God created the first human, he didn't just speak. He formed Adam out of the clay, out of the dust. The word is literally sculpted. 
And God saw Adam and he called him very good. The first human being was not just spoken, but was sculpted and was called very good. We're not just part of God's created work. We were handcrafted and deemed very good. And if the internet tells us anything, that there's a markup for handcrafted, right? It's not made in a factory, it's made by hand, and so you're going to get charged more. God created us through his hands. And he says, you're not just good, you're very good. That is what the creation is for us. But that's not just all what we need to understand about creation. You see, after we were created, God put us to work. He gave Adam and Eve work to do in the garden. Now, this is before the fall. This is before sin entered the world. Now, I don't know how your relationship is with that word work. Uh, maybe you don't really enjoy the word work. Maybe housework or work work uh, or homework or whatever it may be. You just don't, you don't like that word work. You don't want to hear about work. You don't want to be, no, you don't want to be told that God created you for work. But understand this. When God put Adam and Eve in the middle of a garden in the new earth, God said to work it, to rule over it, and to care for it. So understand this. God's ordained purpose for the very beginning of creation was to care for and cultivate the earth. Adam and Eve were created and then were tasked with caring for and cultivating the earth. That's why when we get to heaven, we will not just be standing around and worshiping. When we get to heaven, we will be working. Why? Because it was part of God's original creation was not just for us to stand around and worship, but for us to actually work. So God's part of God's, the, the part of God's original creation was for us to work. Now understand this, the, the, a lot of us may think that the work was a result of the fall, a, a result of sin entering the world. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we will have toilsome labor. Not that labor is the curse, but it's the hardness of our labor. It's the toilsome, it's the, the grittiness of our work. So the curse is not working. The curse is difficulty in working. Working is part of God's original creation for us. In other words, we're not meant to just be consumers of society. We're meant to be cultivators of societies. Now think about this. As Christians, sometimes in some cultures in the Christian church, people run away from the society. They house themselves in from the society. But God says, no, no, no. Your job, your work from the very beginning is to care for and cultivate the earth and society, you know, to work it, to rule over it and to care for it. And so God is not saying just get into your little enclaves and don't talk to people. No, no, no. Get out there in the world and be cultivators of culture, of society. That's part of the created work that God created for us. So the first part of the full story of God is this idea of creation. God creating us, handcrafted, deemed very good, and made for work. 
So when you understand creation, then we understand the second part, which is the fall. The fall is not just the individual violation of my own personal spiritual life. When I understand that God created us to care for and cultivate... When God created us, it wasn't just to, it, it wasn't just, uh, it, it was to care for and cultivate the earth. That was part of our original created order. So when the fall happens, it's not just the things that I do wrong. It's the, the violation of what I was created to do. What, I can't understand the fall unless I understand creation. So understanding the fall means that it's not just an individual violation of a personal code of conduct. It's not just an isolated, narrow-scoped, you know, uh, infraction of the best practices of being. It's not just like you need to do, hard, do better in your own spiritual life. The fall is an upheaval of the fundamental reason why we were all created. Sin didn't just enter the world to like make your life difficult. Sin entered the world and it turned the whole purpose of humanity on its head. And so you don't no longer serve God. You no longer serve each other. You serve yourself. And so when you think about the full story of, crea uh, of the gospel, you understand how creation helps us understand the fall better. When you look at the, the, the half story of the gospel, then we begin to think that the, the fall is just like those little sins that I commit, the ways that I need to try harder in my spiritual life. I give in to anger too much, or I'm, I'm jealous too much, or I give in, have too much pride or lust or hatred. But when we understand creation, we understand the establishment of humanity's place in the created world order to work and care for and rule to make things right. So the fall was just the inversion of that order not just my individual sins. Not any more than Infinity War was about a guy just looking for some gems. So if we're going to talk about the fall, you have to go back to creation. So now when you talk about fall and redemption, right, the half story part that we talked about, you begin to see the context of this full story. Fall and redemption fall within the greater context starting with creation. Now, fallen redemption, we don't have time to go into talking in depth about fallen redemption, but the reality is that we probably don't need to because most of the sermons that you've heard have probably covered an aspect of fall and redemption. So make, you make sure you understand this. I'm not saying that fall and redemption do not matter. I'm not, I'm not saying fall and redemption don't matter. They do matter. They're vital to our understanding of the gospel. We have to, though, put it in the context of the greater, fuller story of the gospel. Creation. God created us very good and tasked us with cultivating righteousness and goodness and justice in the world. The fall was the introduction of sin and the upheaval of that created order. And so how does this help us understand redemption? Redemption is Jesus' death on the cross. Now, understand this. If the fall is just my individual sins, 
then Jesus dying on a cross is just him saying, Richard, you no longer have sins you need to worry about. I'm going to take care of your individual sins on the cross. Now, understand, Jesus does deal with our individual sins on the cross. But do I really believe that God sent his son on this earth to die on a cross just to care for my individual sins, our individual sins? Or was there something deeper and more profound going on? Because if creation is God saying, you need to be people of righteousness, goodness, and justice, and the fall is us turning that over on its head and saying, we're not going to be people like that, we're going to live for ourselves, then redemption is not just, oh, you need to, you're, you're okay. I'm not going to count your sins against you. Maybe redemption is all of that individually dealing with our sins and also the restoration of the original created order. I'm not just going to redeem you and remove the sins from you, but I'm going to reestablish the reason why you were created, which is to be people of righteousness, goodness, and justice. It's not just to say, oh, your sins won't hurt you anymore. It's not just to say, oh, you don't go to hell, you go to heaven. Rather, it's deeper than that. It's all of that and a reestablishment of why we are on this earth to begin with. Redemption is not Jesus just saying, try harder, Richard. Instead, he's saying, I'm going to make things right in the world. I'm going to realign how humanity lives. I'm going to give you a picture of the original, created, established order. It's a realignment of how we live. It's a restoration of the created world order. In other words, redemption ushers in a renewal of purpose. A renewal of purpose. Redemption is the full, is part of in the full story, is not just saying we were redeemed from the fall, but also saying that we are saved for renewal. Redemption is not just saved from the fall, but for renewal. It's not just saying your sins don't count. It's also saying I'm giving you new purpose for why you live. Not just redeemed from our individual sins, but redeemed for bringing out what is right and good and just in the world. This completes our full story of the gospel. Creation, fall, redemption, renewal. Let's all say it together. What's first? All right, and in Spanish. Caída, reacción, renovación. Good. <laughs> Got real quiet there. <laughs> Thank you, Pedro. So we understand, we understand that, that redemption in this full story is not just a get out of jail free card. It's not just like, oh, don't worry, like everything's good, like we just wipe the slate clean. Instead, it's saying, what was undone in the fall is redone in redemption. The original created order that you were given the task of being right and good and just 
We, you messed it up in the fall. We redeemed it on the cross. And we're now living for that new renewal in our lives. So, if you just read half the story, then you're missing out on so much of the purposes of why God saved you on the cross. It's not just about the removal of your sins, it's about establishing a new purpose in your life that actually is part of the original created way you were living. So in other words, God says, yes, I want you to stop sinning. I want you to stop living for yourself. I want you to stop living selfishly, but I also want you to live to care for and cultivate the earth and make things right in the world. Now listen to this. Is it any wonder that the first two chapters of the Bible, the chapters on creation, put human beings in a garden on an earth tasked with making things right in the world? The last two chapters of the Bible, Revelation 21 and 22, put humans back in a new garden, on a new earth, having completed the work of making things right in the world. The, the first two chapters, human beings in a garden on an earth, and they mess it up. The last two chapters, human beings in a new garden, on a new earth, having done the work of renewal. This is the full story of the gospel. Pastor and theologian, I should say late pastor and theologian, Tim Keller, says this. Revelation 21 and 22, the, the final two chapters of the Bible, make it clear that the ultimate purpose of redemption is not to escape the material world, but to renew it. God's purpose is not only saving individuals, but also inaugurating a new world based on justice and peace and love. And what it takes me 30 minutes to say, he says in two sentences. It's really frustrating. But if you don't believe me, you can believe him. Have you ever wondered why on the moment of salvation, the moment of redemption, we aren't just taken up into heaven? You know, dear Jesus, please... You know, like you just take, get taken up. Is there any wonder why we, when we baptize people, we don't just like keep going all the way up? Why are we left on the earth? If not to do the work of renewal. If it's just about fallen redemption, well, we've done the redemption. It's done. Maybe there's another reason why, a greater reason why we are here. Now, let's not make the mistake that creation is only found in the first two chapters and that renewal is only found in the last two chapters. These are themes that are actually woven throughout the Bible. We begin to see the context of creation, fall, redemption, renewal throughout the Bible as we read it. So you remember those two passages that I referenced earlier, Colossians 1 and Ephesians 2. Well, Colossians 1, right, once you were alienated and from God, enemies in your minds, your evil behavior... But we understand the full story of the gospel, and we put 21, verses 21 and 22, in the fuller context of verses 16 through 20, which says this, For in Christ all things were created, 
All things have been created through him and for him. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself. So God created all things and he created them to be reconciled to him. That's the context. You see the creation and the renewal. And then the next verses say, you were alienated from God, but God made you alive in Christ. So you see, it's not just fallen redemption. We may cut and paste just fallen redemption, but the Bible talks about creation and fall and redemption and renewal. What about Ephesians chapter 2? Ephesians chapter 2, as you, as you were, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. The full story includes verses 8 and 10, which says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that, so that no one can boast. For we are what God's handiwork, handcrafted, his creation, created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance, meaning all the way back in creation. So understand this, God, you were dead in your transgressions, but God made you alive in Christ Jesus. You were saved by faith because you were God's created handiwork to do good works, which God prepared in advance. Your fallen redemption, I'm tired. Your fall and redemption, your fall and redemption come in the context of creation and renewal. And if we only see fallen redemption when we read the Bibles, we are seeing a very narrow scope of the gospel. When you hear fallen redemption, put it in the greater context of creation and renewal. The full story of the gospel, creation, fall, redemption, and renewal, puts our life and purpose into context. Friends, this is why when we hear a story of violence or assault or injustice, when you hear stories about the rise of violence, the rise of racism in our streets, there's something that aches in your gut. The reason why it aches in our gut is not just because we look at that and go, oh, well, that person sinned. That's not why. We go, that's not right. That's not the way God created the world. That's now how things should be. You're not just looking at that individual saying, oh, well, no, they, they, they shouldn't have done that. The world is on off kilter. It's not right. There's something that stands in our gut and says, mm, that didn't happen to me. That didn't happen to someone I know. That's not right. And that's also why we as Christians should be the ones to stand up and to speak out for justice, speaking up for the, vo the voices that have been silenced. And when we do that, it feels right. There's something that feels aligned with God's purposes in our life. Things are being put back in its rightful place again. It's like that feeling of satisfaction when the Avengers win the war at the end of the movie. Things are like, right at the end. And when Christians stand up for renewal, 
It feels right. It's because we're taking part in the full story of the gospel. Psalm, uh, oh, uh, I'll skip that. that. This is why we as followers of Christ need to be the first ones to show up in crisis and the first ones to show up and speak out and help those people around us to be people of righteousness and goodness and justice and, and, and peace. I work for a global justice organization called International Justice Mission. We work on the front lines of uh, ending global human trafficking and violence against women and children throughout the world. Something just feels right about the work of justice, right? It feels right when you engage in the work of renewal, making things right in the world. And sadly, as I've gone around the nation and preached in churches about this work of justice, I have seen far too many people in far too many places who call into question the very work of justice. Now, I understand when, when we're making announcements about soup kitchens and, and helping those around us in our community, that's the work of renewal that the church is doing. But there are a lot of churches that don't engage in that work because they're solely focused on the half story of the gospel of just fall and redemption. I remember I one time was preaching in a church about the work of justice, about how we were freeing literal slaves in the world from victims of modern-day slavery, freeing victims of abuse in some of these uh, places around the world. And I remember there was a pastor who, a pastor, not just a, a member, a pastor, who when they were asked to pray for our ministry, refused to get out of his seat to pray for our ministry because we didn't preach the gospel to the enslaved people that we had just freed. Meaning, the only thing he saw was fallen redemption. What is, what is freeing someone from slavery if you're not preaching to them the gospel? He was seeing just a half-story view of the gospel. He would not understand this. He would not pray for their earthly freedom because he only valued their spiritual freedom. This sounds like a very narrow understanding of the gospel. That someone can see a boy on a boat, a girl trapped in a brothel, a family forced to work in a factory, all crying out for justice, all crying out for someone to make things right in the world, and they can only see fall and redemption. That's not the full story of the gospel. The question who this, that this pastor was asking is essentially the question of what good is it freeing someone from slavery if you don't preach to them the gospel, right? I mean, that's essentially what he's saying. What good is freeing someone from slavery if you don't preach to them the gospel? And I think when we see the full story of the gospel, I think it's the opposite question. I think it's what good is preaching someone the gospel or about redemption if we're not also freeing them from slavery? 
if we're not also engaging in the work of renewal? What good is the just preaching redemption if we are not also preaching and enacting renewal in their life? That's the full story of the gospel. And so Jesus, when he says in the sheep and the goats, he says, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. And then he says, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. He's talking about this idea of the work of renewal. So friends, I leave you with this. We need to be people of justice and goodness and righteousness. Not just because that's the right thing to do, but because of redemption. Because we have been saved, because God has restored what was broken in the fall, which is a restoration of the original created order in us. So on this day, let us be people of righteousness. On this day, let us be people of goodness. On this day, let us be people of justice in our lives and in our community and in our church. Not just living out the redemption from our individual sins, but living out the redemption for renewal of the world that God created us to be. We believe in a God. We believe in a risen Christ. We believe in a gospel that is the full story of the gospel. Creation and fall and redemption and renewal. Let's pray.